Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Thanks so much for being here and for listening to this episode. You can find all of the past episodes, 200 plus of them, at abriefchat.com. If you want even more stuff, it is so easy to get. For a buck a month, you will get early access to every episode, plus a weekly letter from me, which is always chock full of links to stuff that I find interesting and think that you might too. For $5 a month, you get all of that, plus you'll get a bonus episode each month as well. You can find all of those things at patreon.com slash a brief chat. I don't exactly remember how I came across this month's guest, but uh, I have some friends who are AT hikers, uh, Appalachian trail hikers, and through them, I occasionally kind of find my way in Instagram and other places onto the stories of people who are hiking. And somewhere, and I think it was on Instagram, um, there was a, a Trek article welcoming the 2022 through hikers who were going to be writing for the Trek uh, blog that features a lot of hiking stories. And one of those people was Althea Collier, who is my guest this month. Althea, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? I'm great. It's wonderful to have you here. Uh, first of all, c- huge congratulations on a major life accomplishment of finishing your through hike of the trail. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it feels really good to be done. You had only just recently finished as we're recording. It will be further in the past by the time um, people hear this, but I, mm-hmm. I want to go back to the beginning. But first, I just want to stay in the present for a moment and say uh, how... I don't know, on a percentage basis or something, how much of your brain has now come off the trail and back into quote unquote normal life? And how much of your brain is still expecting, oh, I have another X number of miles I have to walk today? It's funny. It's been about a week when we're recording this. I'd say I'm probably 75% transitioned. I was very, very ready at the end to like, wear normal clothes and take showers every day and eat healthy food. And so that part of my life is like fully transitioned back to normal. I think the one thing that hasn't really transitioned is every day I kind of wake up and there's like this expectation that something's going to happen. Like I have to do something. And then life is just like, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way in normal life. You know, you don't actually have to, be anywhere you don't have to walk anywhere you don't have to there's no urgency I feel like in normal life in that same way that every day on trail if I didn't walk I could die you know like (laughs) if I didn't go somewhere my life wouldn't work like I wouldn't survive I might run out of food or I might die of hypothermia you know so there was an urgency a, a real like need to survive and I just don't have that anymore you know that's that's very weird so every day I'm looking for that why am I why do I need to survive today? And it's just like, you don't actually have to survive. You could just chill. Life is so easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we could go down an entire existential road based on the difference between our ages and our opinions of how easy daily life is. But uh, I want to go back <laughs> first. Um, I, let's dial the clock back. Uh, actually, even before we dial the clock back to your own story, I just want to make sure that everyone mm-hmm. who's listening to this is on the same page. So can we uh, just tell folks, what is the Appalachian Trail? Can you tell people what the thing is yeah. that you just hiked? Um, so the Appalachian Trail is... Uh, 2,194 mile long um, footpath that traverses the Appalachian Mountains, basically, um, from Maine to Georgia. So that's 
roughly where that range of mountains runs from. Some people argue it should those mountains go further south or further north, but the AT only goes from about mid Maine to northern Georgia. Um, and it's uh, only for hikers, so there's no biking or uh, horse riding allowed on the trail. And it has become kind of a mecca for people who appreciate the wilderness and appreciate nature and want to challenge themselves to do something really insane and crazy. And you hiked it from the north to the south, right? From Maine to Georgia. Yeah, yeah. So I did it sort of backwards than the typical, typically you start in Georgia. Um, But yeah. So you decided... Uh, it, you, I will say, by the way, that I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you want to read more about Althea's experiences, then we'll have time to get into in this episode. Uh, you can read the um, blog posts that are at the trek. Uh, but you wrote in the very first one of those about getting mm-hmm. the first inkling of doing the entire trail after doing a two-day backpacking trip. Can you talk to me about your thought process there at the very beginning when you first thought, oh, maybe this is a thing I should do? Yeah, so it was uh, winter 2021, and I was I basically spent at that point a year of my life doing online high school, and that was incredibly boring and <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> um, especially I I live in New York City, and so I really did like a lot of people spend months and months and months of my life not going anywhere because it was not safe to leave my house, really. Um, And so the isolation was very, very intense. I hadn't actually traveled or seen anybody or interacted with anyone beyond, like, my immediate family and three friends that live within a walking distance of my house for for almost a year. And so I was really stir-crazy, and I was like, okay, what what stuff can I do with my life um, that could get me out of the house and maybe even out of the city without spending a whole ton of money or going crazy and going on a vacation on a plane or whatever, you know, what can I do with the resources I have available? So I, you know, was kind of talking to my parents about that. And um, one thing we came up with is that I could kind of get into backpacking. So I was like, all right, let's do that. That sounds fun. Um, And where I live, you can take the Metro North train actually out of New York City and up to the Appalachian Trail. So we decided that would be a really fun thing to do. It was, you know, pretty easy to do, not that far from where I live. Um, We have a lot of backpacking gear because my my brothers were all in Boy Scouts, and um, so we have tons of stuff. So that was kind of where I was at, is just wanting some way to get out of this crazy, crazy isolation that I'd been stuck in for so long. Um, and backpacking just became something that would felt really appealing, a way to a way to open the doors, I guess. And as you mentioned, you weren't even out of high school yet. Uh, you, you turned 18 yeah. on the trail, but you were 17 uh, during this time that you're talking about as you were kind of hatching these plans. Um, and even younger, 16 even, right? I was even, even 16 right? Yeah. when I was... <laughs> yeah. So when you first started saying uh, to your folks, hey, I think I might like to, you know, spend uh, several months completely alone hiking yeah. this massive trail, uh, what what did they say? What was their reaction? Well, it's 
funny because it all after that first two days, um, I was like, man, this is a crazy thing. I I'd never backpacked on the AT before, and that first exposure, it was very very cold and it was very stressful, and I was super tired and wiped out at the end of it. And so my dad and I just started talking a bunch about, well, how do people make this work? Because we were just curious. And um, so I just started doing research. So I was reading things online and watching videos about this. And I would share the information that I was learning with my parents. And at one point, I just kind of said to my dad, you know, I feel like this is something I could do. You know, it seems like there are a lot of people who've been able to do this with, you know, maybe not a ton of experience and that they've learned along the way and they've been able to grow and learn by just getting out there and doing it. And, you know, it kind of seems like it'd be cool someday I'd like to do it. And my dad was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Someday it'd be really fun. And, and we, I just kind of kept having that conversation over and over again with my parents. And at one point, um, I like went to a store and I went to REI actually. And I bought like a, it was like a $300 tent. <laughs> and, and my dad, he was like, you know, I think you really have to do this now. Like you're spending all this money on gear <laughs> and like making these plans to go backpacking this summer. I think you just need to commit to it and actually do it. Um, yeah. In one and, of your posts, he had a great line that was something like, there's no going back from a $300. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was no going back. And, and yeah, it was, it was really a gradual process. I think for the first, like, three months of me talking about it, my mom thought I was kind of just joking. Um, and that maybe this is something I would do, like, after college. But in my mind, um, it became very real early on that I wanted to do this right out of high school. Um, but I just wasn't sure if I could make it happen. But as I got more gear and as I got more information as I practiced and trained and went on more backpacking trips, it became more and more clear to me that I was capable of doing it and that I didn't need to wait. I didn't need to wait to do it in five or 10 years. I could do it next year. Um, And so when I finally came to that decision, I told my mom, she was like, oh, oh, I, I, uh, I, what? <laughs> she was very shocked. And, and I, which I was shocked about, because I was like, I've been talking about this for months. Why is this confusing? And um, she was just like, well, I just didn't know if you were serious about it. Um, she got over that. I think it took her a little while, but she came to kind of understand where my head was at and so on. But my dad's been with me the whole way. Like he was definitely, like if he had not in the initial setting said, yeah, you could totally do that. I wouldn't have done this. You know, if my dad had at that point said, that's ridiculous. What a stupid thing to say. I probably wouldn't have been able to do this. You know, the fact that they were supportive and encouraging so early on before I'd even gone backpacking for more than two days, I'd literally gone backpacking for two days. And my dad was like, yeah, you could do that, you know? (laughs) And, and that was, that's, that was very, very, it was a really wonderful, positive influence to have, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I'd like to talk about expectation versus reality, and I'd like to mm-hmm. start with the hard parts first. As you said, you did a lot of research, both the physical research of going backpacking before you did the the trail itself, but you also did the kind of research of looking up you know, other people's experiences, how do folks do this? So 
I know uh, in my own life, I often do research on a thing I'm planning to do, and even so, the actual experience of it presents both challenges and joys that are different from the ones mm-hmm. I thought I would experience. So starting with the challenges, can you talk about what you thought would be some of the hardest parts and what turned out to actually be the hardest parts? And if they're the same, that's totally fine, mm-hmm. but I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, I think what I thought would be the hardest was dealing with weather. Um, I was really, really worried about being cold, being hungry, being like just the physical survival aspect of it. I was worried about that being difficult. Um, And it was difficult, but in the end, what was most difficult was being lonely, which was I was not worried about at all. Um, I'm a very solitary person. I love my own mind. I just love being by myself and I don't mind at all, you know, just spending my days thinking and reading and whatever. I'm not, not an open, like a super social person. So I wasn't expecting that I would, you know, get lonely on trail or that that would be a huge struggle for me. Um, I was expecting more that it would be the I'm really hungry right now and it's cold and it's raining and it's wet and I'm tired and all of those things were difficult. But after a couple of weeks, even months, even those things just became part of my life and I could deal with them um, very easily. But the loneliness was something I'd never, ever experienced before in my life at that level. And I did not know how to deal with it at all. And that was definitely the most difficult thing I've ever did that that I went through on trail. Yeah, and I I relate to that so much. There's there is such a, a qualitative difference between being alone and being lonely, especially yeah, where yeah. one is a voluntary decision you make and the other is enforced by circumstances. I mean, for mm-hmm. a, a lot of the last couple of years, I've lived and traveled the country in a van, and mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people during that time, but right. I haven't had a lot of daily direct contact with people who care about me. Uh, there have been mm-hmm. times when I've stopped in one place for a while, and you know primarily to relieve that that burden. But it really is a thing when you are just not in regular daily contact with people who have a concern about your welfare or even with whom you can just have a conversation for a while. After a while, it starts to wear on you. And I know from reading your blog post that you definitely went through periods where it was really was really wearing on you. And then mm-hmm. you also went through periods where you found some uh, fellow through hikers to be on the trail with. And that seems like yeah. it was an incredible, those were kind of incredible moments of, of bonding and friendship, even if they were only for short times. Yeah. I mean, the release that you can get just by being around people who understand what you're going through and and have been through exactly the same things that you've been through and just the intense amount of joy that all hikers feel when they get to a town or a hostel or a shelter and there's other hikers, it's just, it's like this huge burden has been lifted off of you. Suddenly you feel more energized. You're like, yeah, I can go hike today. You, you just have this more positive mindset. You feel happier. You feel more just connected to the world. And that there were definitely times probably three really major times where I went through a period of really tough loneliness. And then suddenly I was with a group of people who just completely changed my life. 
and became some of, you know, my closest friends. And that happened a couple of different times. And, and it was like a total reset of my entire, you know, my entire world. And yeah, it was crazy, crazy, crazy way to just flip a coin on your entire life in one day. Um, but it was also amazing. It was wonderful, wonderful feeling. So speaking of flipping a coin, let me flip that earlier question about expectation versus reality. Can you talk about what mm-hmm. you thought would be some of the best parts and what actually turned out to be some of the best parts? I'd say I expected the best parts to be probably the um, just the hiking I expected to be the best part. Um, and it was amazing, right? That was That was the whole point was to be out in nature. But to be honest, one of the biggest things that I took away from the trail was just a better understanding of America um, and of towns and small towns and rural communities. And what I actually ended up having the most important experiences with were actual civilization, were people that I'd I'd never imagined existed. Um, And that it wasn't so much the hiking or the nature that changed my life, but the towns that I visited, the people that helped me, the people that I met, um, and the just the the things that I discovered about America that I hadn't known before, those ended up being the most valuable experiences. I think growing up, so I've I've lived um, in New York City multiple times in my life, and mm-hmm. it's very, yeah. uh, but I'm but I'm not from there. And uh, however, I do know uh, many people who've spent their entire lives there, and I think it's very easy if you are from New York City to kind of imagine that everything you could ever possibly want, except maybe tall mountains, is right there in the place where you live. I mean, there's a an yeah. argument that can be made for New York as you know the one of, if not the capital of the world. And why would you ever want to go anywhere else? But there are really good answers to that question of why would yeah. you ever want to go anywhere else? Because there's a lot of else. There's a ton of else out yeah. there. And the else is very different from New York City. And it's so valuable, mm-hmm. I think, to see. And I really enjoyed, uh, you know, in keeping up with your blog posts and your, your Instagram posts, just seeing you experiencing you know, a lot of kind of small town rural life. And, uh, you know, that's, it just seems like that stuff is valuable because there are as many people out there living those kinds of lives as there are, you know, taking a train to work or school each day. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is I'll never love any place the way I love New York, you know, it's where I grew up, it's where I'm from. And so I won't take any New York hate from anyone on trail. But what I really did come to realize was how much um, beauty was in other ways of living. Um, I definitely had kind of a sense that the best way to live was the way that I lived. Um, <laughs> and I, I definitely changed my perspective on that. I think I realized, well, I came to understand, I think, why people choose to live in secluded rural areas and why people in those areas have the beliefs and the attitudes that they do. And I have so much more empathy and understanding of that way of life because not only have I visited those places, but I've lived a little piece of that life for a while. And I, I needed those places. I needed those people. And I couldn't have done the AT if everything on the AT was just like New York um, because people wouldn't have picked me up when I needed a hitch into town. People wouldn't have been 
friendly and helpful and told me where the best places to eat were, where to buy food or given me, you know, a place to sleep in their house. Like that's not something that happens in New York. And so I, you know, it's not a survivable trail if it weren't for the lovely small towns and rural communities along the way. Um, So I have just so much appreciation, I think, now so much more appreciation for that, that those communities and that way of life. I'd like to talk about one of the moments that, at least from my perspective, seem to be a real key kind of linchpin moment in your Mm -hmm. travels, which is, uh, and talk about this concept of the short-term quit. Can you say something about Mm -hmm. The short-term quit, yeah. (laughs) That was a funny little idea that I came up with after I was reflecting a little bit on some difficult experiences that I had had where I'd basically just kind of quit a bunch of times in a row. I'd set out for myself, I'm going to hike 25 miles today, and I'd only end up hiking 10. And I, I was I was so disappointed in myself in the beginning. I was like, why am I not capable of this? I know, I know I'm capable physically of hiking these miles. I know that I can do this. And I, I got really, really into my head, and I beat myself up about it over and over and over again. And I felt terrible about it. Why can't I hike faster? Why am I not better at this? Why am I not like other hikers? Why is this so hard for me, even though I love it? And well, the, the idea that I came up with, with for myself was just, it's okay to quit right now, as long as I'm not giving up on the goal. Because right now, I'm not, I can't do what I want to do. I'm in a mental state or a physical state where I just can't hike those 20, 25 mile days right now. But that doesn't mean that I can't do it in the future. Right now, I'm just going to quit on this weird idea I have right now of this, I have to hike these miles. Just let go of that. Let go of this. I have to be at some place sometime and hike these miles and get this stuff done and be like this person and carry this amount of stuff. Just let go of all of that and just focus on doing what feels good and comfortable and happy right now, not just today, but in the actual moment, the minute, the second that I'm living in. Stop thinking about how I'm going to make it tomorrow because I'm not giving up on tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll just do this over again. Um, I'm not giving up on hiking the whole AT. I would never do that. I would never quit the trail, but I might quit on a day where I've planned a larger number of miles and I might quit halfway through, whatever. You know, I've not, I've not given up on my goal or given up on myself. I've just given up on pressuring myself into doing things that don't, feel right anymore you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make myself do things that hurt me or are damaging to my mental health or my to my legs my feet um, my mind any of that I'm not gonna do that Um, and I'm just gonna do what um, what helps me get through the day whatever gets through the day that's what I'll do Um, I'm not sure if that makes total sense, but that was the kind of the mindset that I had to develop after a while. And that, um, the art of the short term quit was just, um, being okay with not being perfect and not being exactly what I wanted to be. Because in the end I finished, you know, those days where I hiked only 10 miles a day didn't matter, um, because, the long-term goal was to finish the trail, not to hike crazy miles every day. 
And so I had to recognize what was more important. Um, and that was my long-term health and stability, not my, you know, short-term goals. I think that's a really beautiful piece of wisdom. I thank you for uh, for sharing it. And I, I think any of us could learn to apply that kind of wisdom in a lot of situations, not just uh, mm. on a massive hike from uh, from Maine to Georgia. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, beautiful things that happen on the trail, one thing that uh, comes up a lot in your writing and came up a lot on Instagram is this idea of the trail angel. Can you talk about mm. what that means and, and maybe give an example of a, a time when uh, a trail angel helped you out? Yeah, so trail angels are people who've either hiked the AT or always wanted to hike the AT but never never found time or they have a health um, issue or whatever, and they be just become um, important to the trail because instead of hiking, they help people. So sometimes that means they just show up at a trailhead and they'll sit there and give people food. Sometimes it means they'll give people free rides to and from town, um, they'll run shuttles. Sometimes they have, they'll let people sleep in their house for free. Um, trail angels are just people who show up when no one else is going to, um, where you're in it, where a hiker is basically in a situation where no business is going to help you, but a trail angel is, that's kind of the, that's kind of the idea. And can you give an example of a time when that happened for you? Yeah, I've had so many wonderful trail angel experiences. Maybe one of my favorites was in Maine. I um, was like aiming for this road that was, I was like probably at that point, it was like 20 miles ahead. And I wanted to be there the next day because I was running out of food. I only had maybe half a day left of food. And so I was like, I have to get to this road. I have to find a way to get to town. I'm literally in the middle of rural Maine, which means there's nothing within walking distance of the trail, right? I have to find somebody who's going to give me a ride. It's a dirt road, so I don't know if I'm going to get a ride. Anyways, it was a situation where I was I felt very unsafe and very stressed because I didn't know how I was going to get food for the next day and how I was going to keep going and so on. So I, like, woke up the next morning, like, some crazy time, like, 2 or 3 in the morning. I was like, all right, I just got to get to this road. Um, I'm going to run out of food. I want to make sure that I get there and hopefully, you know, there'll be a way I can, I can get into town. So I hike into town and it was a tough hike and I get there and basically this trail angel, the Patriot, um, has this whole setup. He's got like American flags flying everywhere and he's got a whole tent full of food and goodies and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'll drive you to hostel. I'll get you some food. I'll help you out. And I was just like, such an amazing experience and he was a really cool guy and he he drove me around town and talked to me and gave me tons of really cool advice and talked to me about his life and his experience um being a trail angel but he'd never hiked he just learned about the trail and thought this is a really cool thing why don't I just help these hikers so he I think every year since 2016 or 17 he's traveled up and down the trail and chosen a couple of spots where he'll basically just set up and live there for um, a little while, just helping hikers get food and get lodging and get back on trail. Yeah, he was really cool. Was That's good fabulous. Experience. 
Yeah. I'd like to close by uh, my guess is that there might be people who will listen to this episode because they themselves have an interest in doing what you did. Is there Mm -hmm. anything that you could say to someone like that, a a piece of advice uh, or a a way of thinking that you think might help them? Mm, I'd say the biggest thing is don't expect it to be perfect. Don't expect... um, the trail to be perfect you know there's going to be times where it sucks and it's miserable and you hate it and you're like why am I doing this and you have to be okay with that that feeling because the trail is about more than just um, having a good experience it's about challenging yourself right so you have to be okay with those imperfect experiences the other thing is just being okay with yourself being imperfect you're not going to do the trail exactly as you thought you would there might be, you might get sick, you know, and have to wait out for two weeks. You might get injured and have to finish next year. You might um, just end up not doing it the way you thought you would. And you have to be okay with that. It's, it's, it's an experience that is more than um, the achievement itself. It doesn't have to, but actually finishing the trail, there's, you know, there's no one that like, make sure you did it completely right and gives you a special badge and you go up (laughs) and you get honored and praised forever. You know, like it's something you have to do for yourself and you have to be okay with it not being perfect. It's going to be about the really, it sounds cliche, but it's going to be about the journey. It's going to be about the friends you made along the way. (laughs) And it's not going to be about the end goal because you're going to get to the end and you're going to be like, what? It's over. Um, you have to be you have to be okay with just the experiences that you have and the imperfection of your abilities and of your experiences. I'm so glad you were able to work the friends we made along the way into that. That's that's beautiful. I think I've, I'm already looking ahead to the editing of this episode when I will put a very subtle bit of string music right behind just that part of the sentence. I think. <laughs> My guest is Althea Collier, who started hiking uh, the Appalachian Trail at 17 and finished at 18. And it's been such a joy following uh, your adventure and now getting a chance to talk to you about it. Thanks so much for Thank being you. on the show. Yeah, absolutely. You've been listening to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. You can find all the past episodes of this show at abriefchat.com. And if you liked what you heard and you'd like to help me make more of those, it's very easy. Go to patreon.com slash abriefchat. For a dollar a month, you get early access to every episode. Plus, you get a weekly email from me with lots of cool links in it. For five bucks a month, you get that plus a bonus episode each and every month. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next month with another fascinating guest. <laughs>